We are back. Well, we live in interesting times. Lots of stuff going on in the world, and it's been a while since we've checked in with the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator, good afternoon. Well, Jeff, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. Um, Interesting times in D.C. and across the world, huh? I would say perilous times. Yeah, yeah, they're they're interesting, too too interesting for my, my liking. Okay, Senator. Let let's start. Let's talk about the the, the middle, the, the mid east. Um, and I guess there, there's many sort of questions here, but let, let let's start with the question of what what should the U.S.'s role be in supporting Israel? And I understand that that's a big question. You can take it wherever you want. Well, first, recognize the root cause, and and right now the root cause is Iran, and. Uh, Obama administration and now the Biden administration have coddled Iran, uh, funneled hundreds of billions of dollars into not their economy, primarily their, their military. They use that money to uh, to fund and direct groups like Hamas and Hezbollah and the Shiite militias that are now attacking U.S. troops. Um, if, if, America, if the same number of Americans were slaughtered, I mean brutally slaughtered, as what happened uh, – on October 7th in Israel, 1,400 Israelis lost their lives. That, that would be equivalent to about 50,000 Americans. Uh, you can imagine what America uh, and what Americans would require of our government and military to g- eliminate that threat so it would never happen again. And that's what Israel has to do. And what America's role ought to be is to support Israel in its right to defend itself and eliminate the threat of Hamas. And it's going to be awful. It's going to be messy, but you know we, we would do, we we would demand mm-hmm. that our government and our military do exactly what Israel is going to have to do. So I assume you will be on board when legislation fi- ultimately comes to to the Senate, providing um, a large amount of of aid to Israel. Yes, and it's really not going to be you know in the scheme of things that large an amount. Uh, right now, what uh, the administration proposed about fourteen billion dollars in their uh, overall package. Uh, that apparently is what Israel requested, um, but I don't think that should be packaged with anything else. The, anything else we put in that bill, and what the president's done is there's more controversial aspects to that. So support for Israel is is widespread. It's bipartisan. It's it's almost unanimous except for the squad. Um, why don't we pass that and make sure that uh, Israel gets the support it needs? Let's not uh, hold that hostage for less uh, popular spending. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Ukraine in just a second. But before we leave the topic of the Middle East, I, I agree completely with what you said about uh, this is uh, a lot of what is going on now has been fostered by by Iran and, and, and the agitation. What Long range, what should the government, what should our government be doing? Because my my sense is there's a lot of the countries in the Middle East that they, there's no love lost for Iran either. Well, first of all, recognize reality. You know, it drove me nuts when Obama was negotiating that nuclear deal. Iran was never going to give up their nuclear ambitions. Uh, they were always going to uh, secretly pursue those, uh, pursue the missile technology, and that's exactly what they've done. So, you know, recognize reality, recognize the malign force that Iran is. What I think the U.S. should have done is, at least initially, quietly, I would have supplied Israel with all the uh, bunker-busting bombs that they would need and the refueling tankers to be able to deliver those uh, bunker-busting bombs uh, if they perceived an existential threat to Iran. 
I would have done that. I would have done that very quietly. I would have given them everything they needed. Then I would have announced it to the world, but primarily to Iran, as a really large warning to deter Iran from becoming a nuclear power. That's what I would have done. But we haven't done that. It doesn't look like we're going to do that. Instead, we've got this mess on our hands because of the weakness of the Biden administration, of the Obama administration, and how they their policies across the board have weakened America. When, when America is weak, the world is a far more dangerous place, and we're living in that dangerous place right now. To, to that point, we're talking to the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. To, to that point, Senator, between October 7th and October 24th, there were 21 American troops who were injured by drones, drone and rocket strikes in Iraq and, and three in Syria by Iran-backed militia groups. And um, what, what's happened is the, the U.S. has now done some airstrikes on some of the Iran-backed facilities. Are, are you in favor of continuing this policy if these attacks continue? Yeah, if, if American troops are attacked, we absolutely must respond. We probably should have responded quicker. Uh, I, I was more than disappointed that the administration kind of kept those, uh, bad, those attacks and those injuries a secret. Uh, we didn't hear about that right away, did we? Uh, so, no, we, we absolutely have to protect the men and women, uh, the finest among us that are in harm's way. We, we can't let Iran and, and their proxies get away with that. As a practical matter, Senator, um, it, it appears at least that the, the public reports are that um, Israel has been holding off a full-scale ground invasion of, of Gaza um, at the request of the United States and maybe United Nations in, in an effort to try to negotiate the release of, of the hostages and things like that. Is a ground invasion inevitable? Well, that's certainly what is Israel is telling us. Uh, I think we need to leave it up to Israel to do what it believes it needs to do. I really don't want America interfering with that. Um, you know, I listen to generals brief us, and you know, I think they – are being given some pretty good advice, but it should only be advice. It shouldn't be pressure. Um, and I, I do fear that uh, the Biden administration may be pressuring Israel to delay their response, which would put more Israeli soldiers at risk as Hamas hardens its defenses and as a result of the time being given it. So, again, I want Israel to direct this. I don't want them hampered by Biden administration demands. Senator, one of the things I think has been, it, it, at least in the, this country, one of the things that I found very, very disappointing over the last couple of weeks has been the, the anti-Semitism that, that's just emerged, whether it's on college campuses or whatever. The the a lot of the, the I'm going to describe it as the pro-Palestinian stuff, talking about how okay, well, this is all Israel's fault and things like that. I, I found it, I guess, personally, just very, very disappointing that that that's what some people view about this conflict, especially given the attacks that resulted in 200 hostages, including some Americans being taken, and the deaths of so many people. I find it way more than disappointing. I think it's just utterly disgusting. But uh, I, I hope more Americans' eyes are being opened up to the indoctrination that's occurring at, at our institutions of higher learning. And, you, Jeff, you probably heard me talk about this in the past. The massive stroke of the radical left was taking over our university systems in the 60s. And as a result, they've been graduating teachers for K-12, through who you know, far too many of them are indoctrinating our children into things like identity politics, critical race theory, and then... Once they get to the university, the radical leftists, the, the adult uh, professors, 
it's just the icing on the cake. It's, it's the whipped cream and cherry on the K-12 indoctrination, and now we're seeing the results. I think it's utterly disgusting, and I hope America is watching, and I hope we do something about it. Senator, you were talking earlier about the, you support the Israel package, and you believe it should come to it should come to Congress as a as a standalone package without having other things lumped into it. One of those other things would be increased funding for Ukraine. Where where are you? Where are you on continued support for Ukraine? Oh, oh, have we lost Senator? Okay. We'll call him getting back in just a second. We heard that kind of like weird noise and things like that. Um, we'll reach out and get the senator back on in just a moment. Tell you what, let's let's see. We got him? All right. How did that work? Okay. I hit the button again. Hi, Senator. Welcome back. Yeah, sorry about that. No, no problem. Um, okay. Uh, as I was saying, my question was, we, we were talking about Israel and you, you support funding for that. And you'd like to see that as a standalone. One of the things that, that the president wants to do is put support for Ukraine along with that. Where are you on continued financial support for Ukraine? Well, again, we need to recognize reality. The other elements of that bill don't have the support that, uh, you know, the universal support that uh, uh, the funding for Israel has. I mean, the fact of the matter is the, the president is asking for $14 billion not to secure the border, to pay for more rapid processing, dispersing of more illegal immigrants. It will incentivize more illegal immigrants. Plus, I think people made the legitimate point that the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress are far more concerned about Ukrainian border security than we are you know, with the crisis occurring on our southwest border. So there will be a very determined attempt to attach any funding for Ukraine, attach to it real border security that is going to you know, dramatically decrease uh, illegal immigration, and that's going to be a fight. And so we don't want to, I don't want to hold support for uh, Israel hostage to that fight that will occur. There's no way you're going to avoid that, uh, certainly not in the House, and I would say uh, probably not in the Senate either. So let's support Israel, and then we can start talking about uh, Ukraine and border security. Um, the war in Ukraine, and I know this is something that you've been, you know, following closely in your various roles in Washington, is is it in the United States' interest to continue to support Ukraine as they resist the Russian invasion? Very complex issue. Uh, I think we all support the Ukrainian people, their courage defending their homeland against the evil that is the war criminal Vladimir Putin. So I, we all agree on that. You know, the, the problem is I think we could have deterred the invasion, but you know the weakness of the Biden administration encouraged it. I think there might have been a point in time I was hoping, which is why I supported the first $40 billion to replenish our own stockpile that had been depleted, but also a strong signal to Putin to say, listen, you didn't didn't succeed. Stop, okay? Now, I I met with Zelensky. I was at his inauguration. He wanted peace. He wanted to do a peace deal. I don't know what's quite happened since then, but what I do know is, again, the reality situation. Putin's not going to lose that war. Losing the war is existential to him. He has 7,000 nuclear weapons, tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, Ukraine can't do what it would need to do to win the war. So now we are in a bloody stalemate. It's going to have to end in the settlement. And every day that goes by with that war going on, more Ukrainians die, soldiers, civilians, more Russian conscripts die. I I take no joy in that. And more of Ukraine is destroyed so it's about time that Zelensky and the Biden administration realize that the 
they don't have a blank check. Uh, time's running out. Time to sit down and try and end that war. And again, I, I, I take no joy in, in recognizing that reality, but we have to recognize that reality. This war's got to end. The sooner, the better. Uh, Senator, let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about domestic issues. The, um, the, the government runs out of money again in, in a few weeks. What's, um, what, what is going to happen? Is it continuing appropriations? Where does this go? Of course, things have been very much in limbo because of what's been going on in the House of Representatives. But now that there is a speaker moving forward, are we going to have a government shutdown? So, Jeff, you know, you're probably aware of the fact that when I was chairman of Homeland Security, I passed a bill preventing government shutdown act, prevented all future shutdowns. Uh, every Democrat on my committee voted for that. Um, so we finally got a vote on that last week in the Senate. Every Republican voted for it, except for, I think, Rand Paul, because he wanted to actually cut spending. We had nine Democrats join us. One Democrat that did not join did not vote to end all future government shutdowns, to prevent them, was Senator Tammy Baldwin. So the problem is Democrats know that the press is always going to blame Republicans for shutdowns, so they're happy to play the game. And that's what it is. They're playing the game with people's lives, shutting down the government, disrupting things, causing government to cost more. Republicans wanted to end that game. It's ridiculous to be threatening these shutdowns. We could have ended that for all time, including the, the you know threatened shutdown coming up. But Democrats in the Senate, including Senator Tammy Baldwin, voted no to prevent future government shutdowns. So, yeah, that's a risk. Now, the good news is uh, Speaker uh, Johnson has indicated that he, he would be for a longer-term CR so that they can bring up these appropriation bills in smaller tranches so that we can give the spending greater scrutiny. I've, I've been supporting this, so... Uh, hopefully we'll do a CR that gets us to what he's suggesting, April 15th. I'd completely support that. Hopefully a clean CR, get that done, go to work, start passing these appropriation bills. Uh, you know, defense by itself, we're working on a three-bill minibus right now in the Senate. We've been you know, fooling around that one for weeks. So it's not exactly like the three-week shutdown in the House you know, deterred the Senate from not doing anything. We, you know, we've been twiddling our thumbs as well. So uh, now it's time to get to work, start passing these bills, give them the scrutiny. Uh, pass that uh, CR that takes us into April, and then once we've done that, start appropriating for fiscal year 2025 so we're not back here in, uh, next October in the same situation. Senator, have you, been, um, have you been as frustrated as many of us were over what was going on in the House over the course of the last few weeks with the, the Speaker deposed, Speaker McCarthy deposed, and then an inability to, to reach an agreement on, on his replacement? Probably not, because I've been working with uh, House conservatives since literally January. We're, we're the ones that really got us by the debt ceiling impasse. Uh, we got us by, quite honestly, the last shutdown impasse. So we've been working with the House members. I, I knew they would you know, end the acrimony and they'd come up with a consensus uh, pick. And quite honestly, it looks like they came up with some you know, really an extraordinary individual. Some, Mike Johnson, everybody likes him. Man of faith, fiscal conservative. Uh, I'm, I've got great expectations for the new speaker. And, and like I said, it wasn't like uh, the Senate was a rocket docket. We, we didn't do, you know, diddly squat over the last three weeks. So um, um, now, now it's time to get to work. Senator, let me, let me ask you a horse race question. Um, as we're, we're finally getting to that stage where the presidential primaries and the caucuses are going to start, you want to you want to you wanna handicap the Republican race for me? Well, I mean, that's. Pretty easy to handicap. You look at the polls, and right now President Trump has a, you know, almost an insurmountable lead. But you know, uh, a year is a long time in politics, so who knows what might happen? 
Um, interesting. Senator Johnson, thanks so much for taking some time and joining us this afternoon. It is always a pleasure. Take care. Stay well. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. That's, uh, that Bye. is, um, that is Ron Johnson, the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin. And I, I, I remember he was one of a guests on the program when he first kind of announced that he was going to run against Russ Feingold, you know, three elections ago, over 18 years ago. And I can remember the reaction back then. It, it's always, um, it, it was like, who, who is he? Nobody can beat Ron Johnson. Uh, no, Ron Johnson, who is he? He certainly can't beat Russ Feingold. And, and he did. I remember that first series of ads, the first election, Ron Johnson ran, I think, some of the most compelling political ads that I've ever seen. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the, oh, so-and-so wants to kill babies or so-and-so wants to do this. It was, it was his chalkboard ads where it was like, oh, the, the U.S. Senate has X numbers of lawyers and X of this and X of that, like zero businessmen. It was just in, incredibly compelling. And I, I think, you know, he, it, it ended up getting him elected in, um, what, well, I guess he called it 2010 and then 2016, it was the same sort of thing. Oh, when Russ Feingold ran to get a seat back. Oh, there's no way that Ron Johnson can beat Russ Feingold. And, and, and Senator Johnson did. One of the, I remember that election night. I, I first became convinced that, hey, Donald Trump was probably going to be the real thing because I was watching the Ron Johnson numbers. Now, Ron Johnson outperformed Donald Trump in Wisconsin, but, um, he, you know, Johnson had coattails. And I think that helped, uh, I think that helped Donald Trump a lot win the presidency in 2016 and then 2022 nobody thought that Ron Johnson was going to win and and he did